Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the Brazos Point living room. <laughs> I try. Uh, we're back together again, the three amigos, Michelle, Randy, and myself. And we are in week three of our marriage series. And I'm excited. All right, jumping in. Ooh, my first question is, have you ever had an experience that you thought would bring you happiness, but didn't? Man, I feel like this is kind of controversial um, because there are people that like, love this you know kind of cultishly should kids uh, cover their ears <laughs> no it's okay uh, maybe later in the podcast but at this point <laughs> i think it's okay um disney disney world and you know like all disney or disney world disney like, world like, yeah for some people it really is i think their happiest place on earth they go and they get tattoos like i don't i don't get it but and if you have a mickey mouse tattoo good on you um but man it didn't make me happy at all in fact it made me angry and it caused uh, strife in my family and it was unfortunate my parents saved forever to take all 12 of us my sister's family and my family we ended up getting a squabble public squabble <laughs> <laughs> it was embarrassing. Like you do at Disney. That's family tradition. Uh, okay, explain to me. This is you as an adult taking oh, yeah. your kids. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're yeah. not a kid no, being taken by your parents. No, my parents oh, okay. took my sister and her husband and their children, me, Ashley, and our children. And uh, it was my mom's dream. And, and I, uh, I squashed it. <laughs> Are, did you go as a kid? Yeah, as a teenager. Was it fun? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's the difference. <laughs> yeah. The crowds are unreal. And I love people. I extra off the charts. You like crowds? I love crowds. Yeah, like for real. Like going to New York City, I love the hustle and the you bustle. I love waiting in line for stuff. No, though. I don't love waiting in line, but shoulder to shoulder doesn't bother me. Yeah. And, and Disney's next level. Like people were running over us with those mobilized, you know, those carts, moving <laughs> chairs. It's <laughs> <Those> moving chairs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I have the zero clue. No, the like, like the, <laughs> no, you know, like the the buggies at Walmart that you can ride. Oh, they have the, those at Disney. The electric, yes, scooters. Yes, and people would run into us. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, I was already on Disney Edge, and then, uh, yep, yeah, it didn't make me happy. Bottom line, oh. took us days to recover. Well, I loved Disney World as a kid. <laughs> Disney World. I love taking my kids, uh, which was great, but I will tell you, what you describe sounds absolutely horrible to me. I cannot stand traveling in large, large groups of people, hmm. or being at a theme park together, or going out, like, uh, yeah. I have friends that go every year, mm. and I wonder why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening. <laughs> you have one, Shelly? I can't really think of one. The only thing I can think of is um, like right after I graduated from college, I moved out of the state. And then when I was moving back, I was so excited because I had missed all my people in Texas. And so when I got back, life was completely different than it had been when I left. Like when I left, all of, you know, not all of, but a lot of my very best friends lived within a block of me and we were together all the time. But now... Like in your mind, it's just paused in time. Yeah. And every, you know, everybody lives in a different town. And I can remember thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I get to go back to Texas to my people. And it was, it was different. <laughs> it took some getting used to. Life had continued. Yes. <laughs> Sad? A little. I just missed people, but mm. I still had people where I was. Mm. 
I think all of my examples are probably purchases that didn't pan out or that were less than. Um, and as the writer of this question, I will change it <laughs> so I can answer. <laughs> Something that actually did bring me happiness, back to food. Hmm. Um, there is a pizza place in Austin and now in Houston called Home Slice that is 100% as good as Build. Change your life. In Houston? Mm-hmm. What, what part? Uh, Midtown. Home Slice. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's pretty new in Houston. But I recently sent someone there, and I was like, I am saying so much about this place. And he came back and said, it was incredible. You know something that makes me happy is forced pizza. Are you familiar with the concept? I From you, when yeah. someone pulls up. Right. Like, <laughs> like I'm back in a season where I'm eating healthy. Yeah, it involves I, a I, diet. I would not choose pizza. I mean, I would choose pizza, <laughs> but I will not have pizza. My heart but always chooses pizza. Like, like a lot of times where forced pizza happens is small group, right? Uh-huh. So somebody's cooking that night, they run out of time, or they just plan on it, I don't know, and they show up with five boxes of pizza, and it's oh, like, no. I am working to contain my excitement over forced pizza. It's like, I'm going to have to eat pizza. I think about that story now when I order pizza, forced pizza. or something, I'm like... I know. Makes me so happy happy. right now if I just pulled up. So what doesn't make me happy is when you open the forced pizza and it has mushrooms on it. (laughs) (laughs) Mushrooms are good. You know, I was supposed to get to have forced pizza last week, but then I got home and Jeff's small group boys had eaten every last crumb. (laughs) Empty pizza boxes. (laughs) Oh, that's sad. I took out the trash is what I did. Oh, empty pizza dreams. (laughs) Oh, that's sad. When you see it on the counter, you're like, oh, later I'm going to go get me some of that. But I I did get forced pizza on Friday. I've got this thing in my mind. It's totally made up. But I think that our garbage man uh, like has a tally that he (laughs) tracks how many consecutive weeks we have pizza boxes, which is every week. We almost always have a pizza box every week. And I think he's like, yep, 10 weeks in a row they've had pizza. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like, yeah, like he's tallying the number. No, no, no. Uh, At least a pizza box a week. Like, come on. That's you think everybody does? I I would say I will tell you if I've got more than a week without pizza, I'll feel it. Oh, it's my kids. <laughs> and I'll say, guys, I'm, I, I haven't had pizza in like eight days. It's time. Hmm. Wow. Home slice. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We should road trip. Is that where I went in Austin? Yeah. Was it good? It was. Yeah. Was it as advertised? I think so. Are you about to break break my heart? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this week we're back in our message, our marriage series, and uh, this week is first comes love, then comes life, and so we're talking a lot this week, Randy, about I know in your message about just uh, why why people get married and stepping into marriage, thinking, expecting one thing, and maybe it's really its purpose is something a little different. So my first question is: Growing up, what were you taught about the purpose of marriage? Maybe from your parents, from your own examples, or the people around you, what were you taught about what marriage was for, and have your thoughts changed at all since then? I'm really glad you asked this question. I'm glad you asked it this way, like putting us in that place where we have to think about growing up, because I think it's so important for us to talk about and think about family of origin Mm -hmm. and how much our family of origin shapes our expectations and our understanding of marriage. And and the reality is, I think it has way more profound influence than we realize. And, And even if, like your parents' marriage wasn't something that you're trying to emulate. Maybe it's something that you're trying to do the opposite of. Uh, that's still influence, you know? Um, so it really is just a profound impact on our, our perspectives and our ideas of purpose. So I think for me, it had everything to do with family. Like my family is very, very tight, very, very connected, not 
too much so. Except at Disney. It's, <laughs> except at Disney. Well, yeah, no, that was it was part of the problem. Like we were trying to stay in a cluster of fourteen, right? That's and hard. that's hard, man. So uh, I have anxiety just thinking, <laughs> picturing that. So anyway, I think in my mind, fa- marriage was all about family. Like that really was the purpose, and I think that is a God-given purpose. But I think that was our highest purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess mine's similar. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here trying to think what was I actually taught about marriage and I don't remember I don't remember really being told what the purpose of marriage was, but I gathered that the purpose of marriage was getting to be permanently and forever connected to the person you loved most in the world so that you could be a family. Mm-hmm. Well, and even in my grandparents' generation, like I watched modeled for me, like interesting to think about because they weren't devoted followers of Christ, and yet they had really solid commitment. I think that's a generational thing, mm-hmm. and like they had survived some really hard stuff, and and they were each, you know, difficult to love. But watching <laughs> them my entire life, and this is a very close and connected family, and yet they had their own unique close connection but Mm -hmm. it was really kind of ornery um but watching that my whole life like really taught me a ton about commitment um because i mean there's there's plenty of reason to to call it quits over the years and Mm -hmm. they didn't they kept going Mm. that is interesting to think about like yeah there is kind of a generational back in the day where people just there was a sense of commitment that maybe it was cultural and ingrained or it's just what you did um i think for me like probably like you, Michelle, my parents never sat me down and said, here's why we're married. (laughs) Or, you know, it was never like, let me teach you about marriage. It was just I, what I experienced. And I experienced a lot, a lot, a lot of divorce in my larger family. It was just the norm. People didn't get married and stayed together forever or just were on their third and fourth marriage. And my parents, uh, stayed together and it wasn't like, uh, it, it, I appreciated it. I think I understood. I had most of my friends uh, had broken homes, so I was thankful for it. But it wasn't necessarily like, oh, here's a great example to study. It was just like, oh, huh, my parents stayed together. And it really wasn't until later in life that I really started to think about what they were doing, and I, I started to actually think, what were they teaching me, if, even indirectly. Um, they just, I think it was really just a sense of commitment. They really didn't start following Jesus until I was in college. Hmm. And, uh, I think it reinforced a lot of where they were, but it was just kind of like a natural sense of commitment and it's flourished since then with Jesus at the center of it. But it was just interesting to think about. So I think, man, like we, we were talking about, we were taught maybe something or caught something or observed something and maybe our thoughts have changed since then. Um, but Randy, in this week's message, we talk a lot about what is God's purpose for marriage. People have ideas going into it of marriage is for this maybe, or is for that, or here's why. Uh, but God has a purpose for it. And I think most people don't think this way going into almost every marriage. <laughs> Well, and I, I think it's important to take a step back and, and ask, really, why does it even matter what God's purpose is? Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, obviously, if we're Christ followers, we operate from a position of recognizing God's authority in our life. Um, but I think it's I think it's important to look at this from the perspective of God's the creator of this invention, this institution, uh, you know, this union called marriage. And so, if God's the inventor, then I think it's always true that the inventor gets to set the purpose. So it really is become really important, like to authoritatively look at what God's purpose. 
purpose is. And, uh, and I think it's really, really different than ours. Uh, you know, I think ours is so much about love and happiness and that kind of thing, especially in our culture. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. In our culture, it's, it's you know, marry the one you love. In other cultures, it's love the one you marry. And, and especially when you come at it from our Western mindset of it's all about love and love and love and marry the one you love. Uh, I think it just is a recognition that God's idea is really different than that. And it's not that God's anti-happiness, but it's that his primary reason is our holiness. And ultimately, God's working in all of our, in our life and, and, and always uh, to move to conform us into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's so many different verses that say that in different ways, but he's really basically trying to form us into the likeness of Jesus and shape our character, shape our, our disposition, our mind, our thoughts, our actions in a Christ-like manner. And ultimately, the way I think about that is, is like, is it about sinning less for sure being holy like Jesus is holy is about sinning less but I think I think more in terms of it being selfless and sacrificing like mm-hmm. Jesus is selfless and sacrificing and the reality is having a spouse is a really really good tool to to bring selflessness and sacrifice into someone's life mm-hmm. and I think that's part of what God's doing yeah and the statement you use is God's purpose for marriage is more about our holiness than it is our happiness and like you said it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our happiness but the primary purpose of, of a union, of a covenant marriage, is to make us more like each like Jesus. And that's a pretty crazy thing for most people to hear, honestly. It might be mm-hmm. for the first time. But, and, and I think also, I mean, and I don't get a whole lot into this. I think it's uh, many things can have multiple purposes, right? I think there are multiple purposes. I just think this is the highest and best mm-hmm. of God's purposes. What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just what do you think about that statement? That it's God, for yeah. our holiness, not our <clears throat> happiness. More than, yeah. It's more than, yeah. I think that on initial hearing it, it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> Just to be honest, like, I know I've said it a million times, but I was older when I got married. And so, and I'd been in church my whole life. I'd been working at church for a long time. I'd heard many, many marriage message series. So, I had heard over and over again that marriage is about sanctification. It's about making you more like Jesus. And so, that to me sounds different than it's more about your holiness than your happiness. On the first, you know, the first I hear that, that just doesn't sound fun. That sounds like, but but what about the other part? And so, I like that in your message, Randy, you talk about how when that really is what we're allowing God to do in us and make us more holy, make us more selfless, make us more like Him, you're you're probably setting yourself up for happiness at least on some level for joy at least to follow well and the other good that i think is involved in this is like think about how many people are hearing this conversation how many people are hearing the conversation on sunday morning they're not experiencing happiness right right they're not in a happy spot and so it's like okay if this isn't primarily about my happiness but it's actually about my holiness this is all of a sudden breathing some hope and some purpose into the struggle that i'm experiencing so what does god have for me in this hardship and I know that doesn't sound fun, but yeah. at least it sounds hopeful, mm-hmm. right? Because it brings some purpose. purpose. And like you're saying, I believe it, absolutely, I believe it's true. Like when you live in this and you walk in God's way and you, and you, you adjust to it primarily being about your sanctification, I really do believe that the fruit of that is, if not always, almost always, a sense of happiness. Mm-hmm. Well, and talking about hope and, and the purpose of marriage makes me think about 
all the stories that that we know of, you know, whether it's re-engage leaders or whoever it is, of, you know, hanging in there and letting God, you know, take those sharp edges off and then like getting through the hard part be, and holding on to that one little hope and then coming out the tunnel of chaos coming out on the other side and there is so much joy now mm-hmm. and there's peace now and there's that rest that's found in the commitment that we talked about but, a couple weeks ago and, and i think like the underlying current of what we're talking about here is the reality that like by design marriage is so powerful it is either a powerful experience of joy or it's a powerful yes. experience of heartache but it's hardly ever neutral yeah, right it's like it's a be powerful the tool of one of those things yeah and and it goes back to god's design the two becoming one and when two become one if if the one are in harmony that's that that's a good thing but if the one are in disunity and confusion like it is inseparably difficult hmm. which is also not fun not fun <laughs> not fun <laughs> Not uh, like forced pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think about the conversation we had, Randy, and I know you bring it out in the message about uh, things being used the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And whether that's utensils or tools or all the things in life, it's like, I think you we have a list of like funny examples of things being used in the wrong way. And I think about that in regards to the statement of marriage being more for our holiness than our happiness. Again, it sounds on the surface like, that sounds boring. (laughs) How romantic. Uh, But it's like, when it's used the right way for God's purposes and what He created it for, there is such life. And like you said, Michelle, peace and rest found in it. And it's just, I think that's more of how I take that statement of, it's just using it the way God designed it. Yeah, and the other thing I like to think about in that regard is, like, when you said that doesn't sound romantic, I, th- I think that is the myth that a lot of us believe that it, it should look like this in a mm-hmm. romanticized kind of way. Um, but I think about that all the time. Like, yeah, man, it's work. It is a 24-7, 365 decision that I have to make. Uh, and I'm going to get it wrong and need grace all the time. But I've always got this decision tethered to me because of Ashley. Am I going to be selfless and sacrificing? Am I going to be selfish? And the reality is there's, there's either work involved in that or failure involved in that, right? And that may not sound fun, but think about all the things that we work endlessly on for fun. Like I got buddies that have worked endlessly on how to perfect their golf swing. They're not doing that because they hate it. You know, they want to get good at it. They want to work and work and work and put in the work because it's fun. So the idea that like work doesn't equal fun, I don't think is accurate. You know, like there's plenty of things that we work on to perfect and we do it for our entertainment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, talking about marriage's ultimate purpose and maybe what we were taught growing up and maybe how it's changed. I just want to go back and say well, the three of us are married. So why? <laughs> you know, here we okay, we know what the purpose is, right? And what God's purpose, but let's go back to however old you were when you got married and made the decision to be married. Why? <laughs> when we were in high school, uh there was actually a girl that I had a crush on and she told me one day gosh randy someday you're gonna make the best grandpa it's like 15 at the time and uh, i didn't take it as a compliment like it it hurt my feelings what were you wearing uh probably, what right now? probably the same thing i'm wearing now why. except the ankles weren't as tight yeah um but uh so yeah ultimately to become the grandpa that i was meant to be i had to get married you know oh i do think i'm gonna be a good grandpa she wasn't wrong that's true she hurt my feelings but she wasn't wrong. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, what about you, Shelly? Like, why did I personally get married? Yeah, that's just the, the real answer. I want the real answer. Uh-oh. If you have kids listening, earpods. I mean, to be sanctified, <laughs> <laughs> mm, to become holy. I yes. knew that that's what it was, but also, I think against you my answer, you had plenty of chances to be sanctified as a single woman. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I knew that God could accomplish whatever He wanted, whether I had a man or not. But, <laughs> but Paul says in First Corinthians. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Whoa. <laughs> She'd controlled herself so for who are 38 you? years. <laughs> who are you in that passage? What are you saying? <laughs> I think we all know what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, I think- props to Jeff. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying for, how old were you when you got married? Uh, 37. Yeah, I just take it, man, nobody else caught your eye, but Jeff was the one. I've got a couple of eye catchers, but just the one. Well, I'm trying to prop up Jeff here. Jeff's the one I went after. (laughs) It was completely different with Jeff. Uh, It was. It's like, that woman's going to be single for her whole life. She's going to be just like Paul. Oh, here comes Jeff. And I was like, there he is. Let's go. That's like forced pizza right there. <laughs> I mean, y'all have seen them. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. No, the other thing I was thinking about is like going back to not just family of origin, but childhood experience. Um, I mean, we had some great mentors. Actually, I like to say we were born on third base and we'd be foolish to pretend we hit a triple. Mm. We had great mentors in our lives. And so we started dating as teenagers and we had Sunday school teachers at the time that mentored marriage for us and what it looked like for it to be prioritized on sanctification, on uh, on God's purposes. And uh, man, that's that's something that we forever be grateful for. So I think that we saw in them this is what we want. Mm-hmm. This is what we want. And so we were able to build that foundation from the beginning because we actually had a real life example living it out in front of us. You know, it's interesting about that. The Sunday school teacher that I had for the longest period of time during those same years was a single woman, was a woman oh, really? who was well into her 30s before she got married. And I can remember going to the Woodlands for her wedding. Louis Giglio actually did it. Hmm. And she was she was probably the biggest influence on me. And um, she showed me that a single woman can still do plenty of stuff and live her life and not be waiting for her life to happen. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm curious if you still have connection with her because we, we do. And, and we've, we've been able, even at a distance for them to continue to mentor us uh, through the years, just watching their experience and watching them walk through suffering and struggle and hardship and be in that for better or for worse, for sickness, you know, and sickness and in health and, and watching them live that has continued to inspire mm-hmm. us for decades. Hmm. I think my why um, evolved. I think I, as a millennial, I think the the statistics tell us that uh, people are getting married later and later in life, or there's less of a um, desire to, a value on marriage. And I think growing up, I totally saw that, felt that, like nobody <laughs> in high school, unless you were like, puppy love or whatever like was 
eager to go get married. It was like, go live your life, go do your dreams and whatever. And uh, it wasn't until I really started following Jesus in college and kind of like you, Randy, like I had just really wise people around me that as I gave my life to Jesus, just shaped what marriage was and wasn't for me before I was married and just gave such a value. It's like, hey, the world wants to go chase and pursue their dreams and do all these things. And what greater, you know, for a young man who has desires to go live his life, it's like, there's such value in being married and sacrificing and submitting and, and being selfless to another. And, uh, I, it was, it it was, um, not the norm. I would say Mm -hmm. like after Jesus got my heart, it was like me and a few of my roommates who were all kind of in the same place surrounded in a college that was like living its life. And we were like, man, we want to be married. Uh, and probably, you know, we, we, I think we had the right idea of what marriage was. Um, but we still had, crazy misconceptions all the way through all of that. But man, I think I was just blessed to have somebody really have this conversation with me early on before I had even met Emily, just to say, here's what marriage is ultimately about and not about and go for it. Well, and I love that you and Emily are paying that forward and y'all are modeling that for our college students now, right? Like you guys as the leaders of our college ministry, uh, the volunteer leaders of our college ministry, you're inviting them into your home. They're getting to Mm. see you in those spaces. They're getting to see y'all as their example. So that's awesome to see, you know, and think about you paying that forward. Mm. Well, my last thought, uh, well, there's two. Um, Just what does it really look like to shift your relationship with your spouse and the goal of your marriage from happiness to holiness? Like, what does that really look like played out? I think when you're really humming and and you're experiencing this because you've worked hard to develop the dynamics of a a healthy, functional marriage, um, ultimately, you get to the point where your spouse can become your greatest accountability partner. And, you know, I mean, think about the I guide mark, investing in accountable relationships. What better accountable relationships can, can, can we invest in than our marriages? Um, because, like I talk about in the message, Ashley has this 24 7, 360 view into my life, and there's no one that knows the, the good about me better than her, but there's also no one that knows the bad and the ugly better than her. Mm-hmm. And so she's got more perspective on my blind spots than anyone else does. She's got more perspective on the, the things in my closet that need to be cleaned out than anyone else does. And so ultimately, if we can get to that functional place where she operates like that accountability partner, uh, then sh- there's there's a space for God to use her to do things that probably nobody else has the perspective or the advantage, of, uh, advantage point to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I think for me and Jeff, the idea that marriage is more about your holiness than your happiness um, really comes out when we think about identity. Because if marriage is about making you happy, then that means that your spouse is responsible for making you happy, which means that part of your identity might get wrapped up in your spouse. If you see your purpose as existing to make this person happy, then that can that can go to dangerous places when maybe that spouse isn't happy and maybe it does or doesn't have anything to do with you. But if it's about becoming more holy, more like Jesus, then our identity is firmly rooted in who we are in Jesus. And because of that, then we can serve each other and we can put each other before ourselves. And that is certainly not always 
easy, but um, like that's been a really important thing for me and Jeff because I shared a couple weeks ago, like both of us brought insecurities into our marriage. He brought in the insecurity of being divorced and having kind of found his identity in another person and and relearning what that meant to have his identity in Christ and the insecurity of having been left. And then I brought in with me the insecurity of never having been picked, <laughs> you know, and um, the insecurity and, and just having spent my adult life reminding myself over and over again that my identity is in Jesus and I have Jesus. My identity mm-hmm. is not in some future husband or some future family that I may or may not ever have, and Jesus doesn't change. And so, for me and Jeff, it's all about that identity in Christ peace. That's so good, because what you're saying in that is that Jeff doesn't complete you. Jeff doesn't make you whole. Jeff is not your soulmate. No. Right? None of those things. And all of those things are unrealistic expectations that if you put them on a spouse, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because ultimately, the one that completes us, the one that fulfills us, the one that our souls find rest in is God. And so, to put those kind of expectations on a spouse is asking them to be God to you. And not only is that sin, but it's 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 a recipe for failure every single yep. time. Yep. Hmm. Uh, I think for me, I just, I always just think about the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians 5, and he just said, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, and I just think that's a good reminder um, for me and Emily and every person in a marriage of like, okay, what does it look like from to go from happiness to holiness being our our goal? Well, how do you do that? It's like, well, our marching orders are to reflect Jesus. He gave his life. He laid down his life. And man, it's like, would I give my life for Emily in a moment of need? Yeah. But it's like, what's just as hard, if not more hard, <laughs> it's to lay my life down every day. The small and mundane. Yeah. Or like, like give up the couch to go watch the dishes. <laughs> yeah, right. And y'all, I'm not kidding. Like, I think about these concepts, you know, like when I'm making that decision of, mm-hmm. am I going to choose me or am I going to choose her? It's like, here's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Here's an opportunity to be holy. Here's an opportunity to be selfless like Jesus. Here's an opportunity. I don't get it right. There's plenty of times I choose me. I'm not Jesus. But man, I, w- I want to be a little mm-hmm. more like him. I think about that in moments that it's like, yeah, I got to go do this or I got to apologize or I got to be, you know, the one to do this or that. And it's like, yeah, like if someone busts through the door right now, threatening my family, I would give my life up, you know, but it's like, but this is it. (laughs) This, this is that, this is me choosing to lay my own wants, desires, needs down, uh, for the sake of my family and for Mm -hmm. my wife. And well, and, and every day, and I also feel this strong sense of, um, just the reality, I've got these three girls that are watching, mm. right? And uh, and that's what I want, man. I want them to find someone, if that is God's plan for them, uh, that loves them like I love mm. Ashley Dane. Mm-hmm. Mm. I good. like Ashley Wood. <laughs> there is a story there. It was post-wisdom teeth operation. I was on whatever drug that is Coming out of where you say the most ridiculous and honest things. And I confessed my love for Ashley to my mom. It's like, I want her to come over and watch my movies. <laughs> and eat pudding with you. And eat pudding. How long ago was this? Uh, last year. No. <laughs> this would have been 1999, 2000-ish. Yeah. yeah. 19? 
This was back in the last century. You and y'all were dating? When we were dating. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. I got what was in 2000. My mom had taken me for the operation. And on the way home, I was like, oh, I love Ashley Wood. I want her to watch my movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's more to that story. I said, oh, I said crazier things, but I can't share well, them on the podcast. That's for next week on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask me in the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We love you, and we hope you'll catch us next week.